Hello and welcome to Conversations Worth Millions, the podcast all about the business of conversational AI. We talk with leading experts in voice, chat, messaging and emerging technology about the strategies and practical applications for business. In this episode, I have a chat with Rich Merritt, who runs the voice consultancy Veniloqui and also the YouTube channel Echodad. We talk about voice as the next universal interface, ROI, trust, and Rich's own conversation design tips. He also answers the question, how do you create a conversation worth millions? Don't miss. Hello and welcome to today's Conversations Worth Millions podcast with me, Roy Murphy. Today, I've got a fascinating guest, and this is the man, none other than Rich Merritt. Now, Rich is a proper expert in voice. He runs uh, Veniloqui Voice Consultancy and has the very popular Echo Dad YouTube media channel that he runs as well. Really looking forward to our conversation. Hello, Rich. Hi, Roy. Thank you for having me on. My first question is, how the hell did you get into conversational AI? <laughs> um, so I, years ago, was, uh, was in education. Um, I left education and moved into kind of the technology sector. And I'd just come off the back of a large project uh, between two very large media agencies for a new streaming service, uh, which may or may not be called BritBox. When that kind of project started to uh, finish up, we talking to, um, to a guy that I was working with there called Bob Harris, who's the former CTO of Channel 4. And we were talking about, you know, how voice was just kind of starting to become a little bit mainstream. Um, Alexa had been in the UK for about six months and we were starting to see some kind of interest. And we thought, do you know what? If we're not going to do it now, we're never going to do it. So let's take a punt. And we started Benny Loquie. We started originally the idea that we were going to focus on trying to help the ageing population. We saw that social care was, go- was, was going to need to change. This was around the time, you know, Brexit was looming. We knew that people that had been working in social care weren't necessarily going to get, going to be able to come over here and work there anymore. So we needed something to try and help. So we worked a lot with, with charities and with, with psychologists about how we can implement voice with social care. And, and from there, things just kind of morphed a bit. We, we created some, some skills at the time. Um, Puzzle Quest was was a game that we created, which was a 3D maze that was kind of delivered to try and help deliver complex instructions. Because one of the things we worked out very early doors was that if you're going to have something along the lines of cognitive behavioural therapy, behavioural activation, things like that, you're going to have to get across a lot of instructions. So we created Puzzle Quest as a game to try and show how you could get across instructions in kind of a structured manner. But also with that, we created around the same time we were talking to a care home. The the care home CEO was saying how particularly difficult for new residents to kind of get their bearings and and understand what's going on. And of course, it's a new situation. They're worried about, you know, being an imposition on people and stuff like that. So with Puzzle Quest, it's a 3D maze game, but we can take the layout of any building and put it into the the Puzzle Quest template um, to try and kind of help people get to grips with a, a layout of a building. Um, and equally, we can add tasks in there. So, you know, take your plate from your bedroom to the kitchen um, and put it in a dishwasher and things like that. And, and then Daily Dilemma, which is another one of our really popular skills that was developed purely to kind of build routines. And it's kind of turned a bit more into a kind of a real-time survey tool now. But um, that was created to kind of make sure that people could remember to come back. Because at the time, you know, back in 2017, people kind of, these things were new um, and People would use it kind of every now and again, but then just forget they were kind of there. It'd sit on the on your mantelpiece and not be used. Sure. So it was kind of yeah, a way to get people to to use them more. And then we kind of morphed a bit and moved away from that slightly and started to do a bit more education around voice because it was 
became very apparent very, very quickly that big companies weren't really aware of what voice was and what it was capable of. I mean, we did a, a meeting for a, a large uh, charity then, and you know, we sat on the table and from, almost from the minute we kind of, we, we started the meeting, we said, oh, Alexa, introduce yourself. And she, she did. Um, there was, you know, there was one person, a lady obviously in opposite, whose mouth was wide open and it stayed open for the, the rest of the meeting. So we started educating people a bit more. So we started the Cambridge Alexa Developers Meetup, um, a meetup very much like yours, Roy, and, uh, and started doing a lot more workshops and conferences and stuff um, to try and educate people. And then off the back of that, in what, 2019, I think it was summer 2019, I created Echo Dad to, uh, to try and raise awareness of skills and try and use a different platform to try and um, to educate people about what's going on. Sounds like a fascinating journey. So have you got traditional design and development skills then? How, how does that work for you? Part of the stuff when I was in education was I just did a lot of talking to people. Um, you know, you've got to be able to talk a lot at classes, obviously, but equally, you know, talking to people about their emotional well-being and stuff. So I understand the nuances of language very well and what, you know, what to say, what not to say, and, and how to kind of structure a conversation effectively to get the most out of it. Um, so that's kind of where my kind of, kind of the conversation element comes from. Yeah, you know, I was an IT teacher, so a lot of that was down to design. Um, we did a lot, of, a lot of teaching design when, when, uh, when, when we were doing that. So it's kind of linking those two things together and, and coming out and creating something effective in, you know, in, in modern times. Sure. Going back to 2017 then, which seems like, you know, that's about 50 years ago in internet years. Yeah, it feels um, it. <laughs> doesn't it just? So the education piece is interesting in relation to educating clients and customers. Are you still having those conversations or have we moved on where voice is a bit more understood? I think, no, we are definitely still having those conversations. In fact, there was a brand that um, we were talking to not long ago that essentially came and said, right, we know we need to be on voice, but we don't know what we need to do on voice. Can you help us tell us what's, what, what works, what doesn't, and, and kind of guide us that way? So we've actually been a lot more strategy and a lot more consulting work over the last sort of you know, 18 months. And in fact, there's a, there's a back into the education space itself, there's, there's education brands now that are coming to us and saying, we know we need to do something. There, is, there are lots of avenues with education. Um, what can we do? And that links nicely to some of the work that I'm doing with the, um, the Open Voice Network Education Committee to try and real, really set standards for, for education in voice in general. But um, yeah, there's, there are still lots of companies coming and going, what do we do? Um, this is still quite new. But we recognise now, and especially now in 2020, um, with everything that's happened this year, we recognise now we really need to be on voice because traditional advertising means uh, you know, we can't necessarily use those anymore. Now, what's the point in having a poster on the tube when you've not got half the footfall on the tube anymore? Sure. So, you know, yeah, companies thinking about voice as kind of a, an advertising route and needing to understand it better. So are there particular sectors which are having more conversations in particular sectors, healthcare or e-commerce? or um, So education is, is the sector where I've had the most conversations just recently. But uh, funnily enough, talking to various people over the last few months, banking seems to be somewhere that people, you know, there's, more, there's, there's definitely more movement in banking. Real estate, because you can't show people around houses. You can't, you know, so using uh, voice to assist with real estate seems to be something that is starting to kind of gather a bit of momentum. Sounds like there's quite a few different sectors. We've seen the same thing where education pieces are probably the, the conversations are, are slightly more joined up and integrated rather than, mm. you know, an innovation piece. Yeah, well, absolutely. Lo- yeah, lots of different places that are now starting to think, yeah, this is somewhere that, that we can kind of integrate into our business a bit more. What's a typical day look like for you then, Rich? 
so after the school run, because the beauty of working from home is you can do the school run, I then come and I sit down and I, I do what everyone does. I check my emails. Um, and then I tend to start, you know, start on designing something or ideation sessions. I do a lot of ideation sessions and a lot of those are on my own, especially, you know, this year where you can't go out into offices. I do a lot of thought process. And, you know, if I, if I could hand you this laptop, this laptop is my brain. Um, you know, it's, it's got so many thought dumps on it and so many ideas on it. So I, I tend to spend a bit of the morning doing that. And then it's, it depends on what climate we've got going on. Um, you know, whether that means that I'll be designing something for voice, whether it's a, to, you know, designing a, a voice experience, whether it means I'm creating a presentation for, um, to do to, to people to explain what benefits voice could have for their company, to editing sound files to make sure that the, uh, the, the, the voice experience that we're already developing is going to sound perfect. And that's something that's really interesting. I've seen a lot of companies over the last, certainly over the last 18 months, starting to think a little bit less about um, kind of the natural voice of Alexa or Google or whatever, and using their own kind of persona and their own personality. So using MP3 files to, to navigate through and then, you know, having very little, if any, of kind of the, the native voice. Are there particular platforms or technologies, anything, any tips for listeners if they were getting started in voice? What would you recommend? For drawing out a diagram initially, so coming out with a kind of a happy path conversation, I use um, diagrams.net, which is a, a Google add-on. For creating a kind of a happy path prototype, which you, know, you can do in you know, a day, you know, day and a half, using one of the kind of the, the flow tools that are available. So you know, back in the day, I used Storyline. Um, I've used top voice apps, I've used um, voice flow, things like that to kind of create a happy path prototype that then you can hand to devs later on as a, as a way of going like, this is kind of what we want it to look and sound like. Can you make this work properly? And for slightly more custom elements, I, I guess you're working with de development teams to, to do bespoke work too, right? We do all our, our stuff in-house. In so um, so there's, only, there's only two of us in the company, myself and, and Bob, who I mentioned earlier. And so I do all the design, all the strategy, all the presentation work, and Bob does the development stuff. Bob does the tough stuff. Bob does the tough stuff, yeah. He's, uh, he's got years of, uh, of programming under his belt and, and years of experience with, certainly with sort of cloud technologies. He does, he does the, the programming stuff, and then I'll, we, we tend to have like extra JSON files and stuff that I can then edit um, stuff in effectively. So, you know, multiple uh, areas that need to, to be added into something, then I can add that onto a, a JSON file and I can add in the MP3 files that I've been editing into them to make sure everything works properly. I've got a rudimental understanding of the, of the, the kind of JavaScript and Python, whereas Bob understands it in, intimately. You talk to a variety of different businesses. So what is the biggest challenge to adoption for a business with voice? The ROI. If they can't see a, a decent return on investment for it, then... Um, they're very reluctant to kind of go all in on it. And I think a lot of it is also to do with um, like how their users are adopting and the lack of numbers that are out there, the lack of statistics. One of the biggest problems, I think, with voice in general is that the large companies, and I'll call out Amazon and Google, because it is Amazon and Google that are, the, that are the problem here, have not educated the public well enough on what the devices can do and the fact there are kind of that they can find third-party apps on there. You think about kind of the past, pre in previous years where they've been on, um, they've had the adverts on Bake Off, for example. Yeah, they've been the sponsors of Bake Off. They have always gone, when they've done, the, done their advertising, they've always gone, you know, you can set reminders, you can put timers on and you can, you know, ask for music. 
and they're like, kind of the main three. And you think about like the Super Bowl advert. The Super Bowl adverts are, are really interesting adverts, but they always do the same thing. It's kind of those built-in stuff. They don't ever educate that you can. There are other. There are a world of possibility with these devices, and you can use it for you know almost anything because someone's creating an app for it somewhere along the lines. Um, and then the other problem is you know when it comes to finding those apps is you think about every other app store and every other kind of platform that you ever look at you, you go on the google play store you go on the um the app store on apple when you click on a on an app you've got a little advert and it's the same with netflix you know you click on a a, a show and you get a trailer for it with voice you don't have that so you don't know what you're getting so if you've even got to the point where you understand that there is a a place to go to find these third-party apps you don't actually know what you're getting um, so you've actually then got to try it out and people you know time is money people don't have the time to go through all these you know all these apps um, you, know, you asked me about my day earlier a lot you know, once a month I'll go through a bunch of apps for Echo Dad to work out what me and the kids can test and you know that takes you know it takes a good sort of afternoon if not a whole day because I've got to wade through some pretty poor stuff to get to stuff that's worth testing um, yeah, it's it's the the fact that Amazon and Google haven't educated the populace well enough about what this stuff can actually do. I think is another real barrier to entry for companies because they then go, "Oh, we don't know what to do. Why would our customers know what to do?" And and some, you know, in a kind of a selfish point of view, they're kind of, well, "Why why do we have to educate?" Because we're also then educating for all our competitors as well. Mm, so how do you solve that? It's a tricky challenge. It is a tricky challenge, and um, and you know, you said it in a way, just say, like, yeah. It is going to come. You want to be there when it's there. You kind of you want to be. You want to put your head above the parapet and say, "We're on voice. We're doing this. This is you know our future technology." Which I think you know, once you explain it to people, people understand it is the next interface. But and you don't want embarrassing situations. We we used to when um, the, the, luckily they've changed it now. We used to use a large insurance company, um, a, a large insurance company's app as an example. Um, they had clearly raced when when this stuff kind of these things came went live you know in, in 2016 2017 yeah. they had um they clearly raced an app out that was very bad um it couldn't even say the company name properly because they'd not used ssml um and actually that's something that you know for people that are new to it get your head around ssml quickly um it's probably the best thing i ever did when you've got an app that doesn't even say your company name right you can use that as an example to say look this is how you do it wrong and if you're doing it wrong like this you're gonna be kind of hauled over the coals for it do something right do it now do it properly invest in it and you can adapt it as as you need to you know if you've got something there then i remember that insurance company that nameless <laughs> company yeah I'm, I'm hoping and i know that things have moved on since then but it's interesting because public perception of what you might call crap bots as a, as a general term is still there, isn't it? Because there were some quite high profile fails, certainly early on in, in the chat space and in voice as well. Hopefully that'll uh, be less as we go through. Okay, so the, the, the big guns, the Amazons and Googles, obviously have got a huge head start in terms of the consumer play. Um, but you see that moving into more sort of bespoken, personalized voice experiences, including how they're accessed? Absolutely. I mean, I... I... You know, I see a day in five, ten years' time where there is a device that is a generic device, could be made by anyone, that has all of these assistants built in. But I do think that companies are going to move more towards building their own. I mean, you look at the BBC, 
building B, but you know, they've built their own kind of platform for their own service. And I think a lot more companies are going to do that. I think there's, there's a, there's a telephone company in Germany that's done a similar thing. Some of the work that I'm doing with the open voice network is looking forward, you know, five, 10 years to where is this technology going to be? You know, we're technology, try to be technology agnostic. I think a lot of the thought is that, you know, there are going to be different companies will have their own, either their own chatbot platform or their own, you know, voice assistant or, you know, integrating the two and having, and just having a universal way of accessing that because people don't trust Amazon and they don't trust Google. Um, they don't trust Google because of data and they don't trust you know, for similar reasons for Amazon. I mean, you know, there's, there's all sorts of security reasons and you don't necessarily want Bezos having, having your information. And in fact, I was talking to um, uh, an aging charity uh, just, just last week about, um, you know, about educating their kind of their community about voice. And, and one of, one of his, his arguments was, you know, the problem is Amazon could turn around at any point and either steal your idea or turn it off. And I think that the idea of that scares people. And it's this, you know, that idea scared people for a long time. It scares them in the cloud, you know. Um, they're afraid that, you know, that if their stuff is on AWS, that it can get stolen or it could be turned off at any point. Realistically, how likely is that? I don't think very likely, but it's a concern that's in the back of people's minds. And in fact, you know, we were at reInvent Amazon's conference a couple of years back and we were sitting chatting to a guy that was, was sat next to us and Amazon announced something and he put his head in his hands. And afterwards, said, what's wrong? I said, that's my business that they've just announced. My business is now gone. I, I, I don't know what to do. And so there is a risk that Amazon do do that. And I think that scares some companies, So, which is why it will go to everyone will build their own thing. Yeah. So we had the BBC on um, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, they're, what they're doing is really interesting. I think I saw recently that they're doing synthetic voices on online articles too. So that they're definitely moving down that direction, I think. And, you know, we, I mean, we, we played with the idea. So when um, we had, you know, wanted to create something that a uh, user walked into a room, a sensor would go off, and then you could start up the, the voice assistant from that. That would be the invocation. So you wouldn't have to say, Alexa, you wouldn't have to say, hey, Google. So, and, and at the time, it was before routines allowed you to do that. And so we created our own we Raspberry Pi. We used uh, Amazon Lex. We used Snips. Um, we used Amazon Polly, um, and yeah, a few other different things to to essentially create that very thing. So we had a and we demoed it at um, one of our meetups that we had. So we had a sensor that a movement sensor that when it went off, it said good morning, and then it opened a um, skill, but it opened a, a, the equivalent of a skill to then ask about mood and, and then it would monitor the mood and stuff like that. So yeah, I think, you know, if it wasn't for the whole hardware constraints, we probably would have gone a bit further than that. But equally, there's a prime example that, you know, we, we demoed it in our August meetup last year. Um, and in September, they announced that routines can now do that very thing. So if we had decided to take it to market, we would have been pushed out straight away. The perils of innovation. Yes, exactly. In terms of voice experiences, Rich, how do you how do you build one that people will use again and again? Any any top conversation design tips? Ooh, I've written a few articles about this. There's a variety of things. I think one of the the most important is have something that gives an incentive to return. There's so many things out there, and I've tested lots that that there's no real kind of no incentive at all like there's no there's nothing that says to me i know i need to come back and i need to play this again or i need to you know use this app again um now that's not always the case though of course because you know sometimes you do have something that is 
one shot, you know. Um, where's the nearest petrol station? You know, if you had a petrol station kind of guide, then that is something that you really only do need once. You know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, the skill store not having very uh, a very good way of kind of finding stuff. So having something that jumps out there, having, you know, an icon, so, you know, pay someone to, to do you a decent icon if you can't draw yourself, I think is very, is very, very important. Given the fact that I've not taken a breath for the last sort of couple of minutes, I think this next point is very, very valid. Stop talking. <laughs> Don't talk loads of these. You know, Amazon bang on about the one breath rule, but it, it is so important to not overload with instructions because you can just kind of just confuse the hell out of these. I mean, the BBC Kids skill um, is a skill that I have often cited in talks and I've, I've you know, reviewed a couple of times on the YouTube channel now just to kind of show how kind of how the kids deal with it a year later. Um, the BBC Kids skill has a lot of content and it is great at navigation. It's a really good example of how to navigate a lot of content well. What it's bad at is an actual user experience in terms of the actual kind of games it's got in the skill for kids. So there's, there's several kids games using the properties that the that BBC have. And there's, there's some of those games, there's like 30 seconds of instructions. And 30 seconds of instructions for a kid, for an adult is difficult, but for a kid is really difficult to retain. So by the time it finally gets to the end, you're kind of like, what, what are we doing? I've got no idea. So having things like, you know, keeping the speech to a minimum um, and not just saying exactly what you need to say and trying to get that across quickly is really important. Having that interactivity, I think, is something with voice that is really, really beneficial. Being able to interact with the voice assistant is kind of part of why we all like the idea of it, right? You know, it's um, so not just splurting out information unless you know being able to interact with that information um and i think yeah using voices and sounds using those mp3 files to to really kind of enhance the conversation and enhance the experience so you know if you are talking about rain for example maybe have a rain sound effect in the background whilst whilst it's talking about the rain things like that so i think yeah making it an immersive experience yeah i think that's key isn't it that um Mm. absolutely all for people experimenting and testing out their MVPs and, and seeing what works. There's kind of hobbyists and there's professional. If you want to be taken seriously as a brand and a business, absolutely fine to test things and do it privately and, and get your conversations working. Test it real users. Production level needs to have a little bit more quality to make sure people are going to use it and come back. Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. Testing is testing is the other thing that's really key. Yeah, if, you, if you're doing this professionally, you need to be test, 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 test. Like you say, with real users. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about Echo Dad. Now, I've I've listed uh, your YouTube channel. I think it's I think it's brilliant. What's the reasoning behind it, um, and how's it going there? Echo Dad is a YouTube channel that I created in summer of yeah twenty nineteen. So it's last last summer. Yeah, um, we're going just over a year now. I was cooking dinner. I could hear my son, who at the time was two, in the playroom. And in their playroom, they've got like a toy kitchen. Um, and on, in their toy kitchen, they have an, an Echo Dot um, because, you know, when you first started developing these things way back when, they give you an Echo Dot just for releasing a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got loads scattered about the house. So I put one in the kid's kitchen. I, so I heard him shout away. I thought, okay, I'll just go check what he's doing. And, and I peered around the door and he's, he's asking for a joke, which he'd clearly heard me ask for before. Um, and I filmed it. Um, and it's just literally a two-year-old kid saying, Alexa, tell me a joke. And it tells a 
one of its normal rubbish jokes and he laughs at it and it was just quite cute and quite wholesome and, you know quite sweet so I, I, and I put it on Twitter um, and it got a really good reaction and I thought you know what kids review stuff all the time on the internet and there's no one really I mean there was, there was um, Jovo were doing a uh, a, a review Tuesday when they review a skill but there wasn't really anyone reviewing anything to do with kids so I thought go on let's, let's give it a pound I did a lot of thought I talked to my wife about it a lot because um, obviously you know safeguarding issues we're not going to use their real names which is why they're called Kermit and Bear so we decided to start reviewing kids skills the idea at the time as well was to do a bit of kind of a, a bit of a commentary uh, so I'd do some videos um, on you know what's going on in the world with voice and stuff those kind of fell by the wayside a little bit because the the reviews were, were taking a while but I've done a few and I've done and you know part of the beauty of, of doing a YouTube video is you can you can film something quick and dirty and get it out really really quick so there was an email that came out from Amazon you know their, their weekly uh, you know try this with Alexa email and one of them was asked for Love Actually quotes. And so I did. I love Love Actually. It's, you know, it's a great film. Um, so I asked for Love Actually quotes. And the first one, it got wrong. The second one, it didn't use SSML. And the third one said, let's get and watch. Now, for me, if I'd have said that when the kids were around, then I would have had all sorts of questions that I'd, I'd need to ask. But it meant that I could, you know, part of the beauty of having the channel was it means that I could then get something out there very, very quickly. I think from the 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 email coming out to me releasing a video was in like 50 minutes, just kind of saying that this isn't on, you know, this is a bit out of order. Um, and it's, it's a video that I've used several times in talks and stuff to say, this is another reason you need to be really careful with, with, with voice assistants as well. But yeah, we've, so we've been off the back of Echo Dad, done, you know, done, done a couple of conferences um, about talking about kids skills specifically and, you know, how, why kids are important. Kids are really important for getting this stuff right. Um, you know, they are the ones that are going to be using this more than we will um, moving forward as an actual interface. So getting them on board with it now is really, is really super important. And also people don't necessarily understand that you know, people say, I was in a talk, you know, you know, looking at watching a conference the other day and someone was saying that kids don't, you know, don't really interact well with these things until they're eight or nine. But I fundamentally disagree with that because I've got a year's worth of video footage that shows that actually that a what is now a four-year-old can interact really well and he did you know he was interacting when he was two and he's interacting when he's while he was three so um yeah there's 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 that as well so um it's really really interesting and now you know with when the pandemic started um i had a lot of people call me up and say right okay we you you are you know you know what works for children um you know what works kind of for educating children you know what works for keeping children entertained can you help us? We need some advice. Um, so you yeah, did quite a few podcasts around the start of the pandemic to try and explain to people what, um, what, how they could use voice for kids. Um, because yeah, um, we've, I mean, we've been voices is, is second nature in our house. Um, as I'm sure it is in yours. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that, that has grown. I mean, I think the pandemic helped it. Um, and also it meant that people could see, people being happy for a change which uh, which was quite nice so yeah it's it's yeah echo dad will continue to review skills and and what's interesting is as the kids get older we can we can start to review more complicated stuff um but equally there's I mean, i've got a lot of plans for it the pandemic scuppered quite a lot of those plans um i was we were going to start going out and we did actually film one of them um 
in February, but then everywhere shut down so we couldn't film anymore. Um, going out and you know just having a usual family day out, but expanding where voice could enhance that day out. So there's there's lots of places where you know voice can be really useful to make a better experience, um, and you know means that we don't have to have our phones to kind of be looking at our phones to find out stuff if we can use the the voice assistants built within them benefit stuff and then we can enjoy more time with our children what is your favorite current skill or experience in voice oh oh that is a question um from it it, it has to be from a kid's skill point of view uh because we use them more than anything else probably it's a skill that's really straightforward it's the muffin man right it's by uh chatty creations um and it's it's just the song, The Muffin Man, but it's interactive. Um, so the, the lady that created it hired a, uh, a singer, or she was friends with a singer or something, and she's, she's got a singer playing guitar, singing The Muffin Man song, and then you can choose who The Muffin Man meets um, along the way. And it sings the next bit of the song, so it, can, you know, it gives you a choice, a dog or a cat. You choose the dog, and it sings it like the dog. Boy or a girl. Um, mouse or a bird and all sorts of things and you know there's when you've got the show there's some really nice pictures that have been drawn by children and actually since then um the the good creator has been in contact and there's now some of my kids drawings on that skill as well but it's it's just a really kind of wholesome nice experience and it's a great example of how to interact well it's a great example of how to use mp3s effectively and you know use third-party voices and not rely on Alexa. It's a great example of how to use, you know, have a catchy icon. The first, the reason I first discovered it was because it had quite a catchy icon. It's a great example of use of um, the screen devices. Um, so although it's quite, you know, in itself quite a simple idea, I think it is an, it's an experience that has probably been used more on our devices in our house than any others. Because it's also one that the kids can just use and, you know, on their own. And, you know, the amount of times that I've kind of walked in the room and thought, oh, okay, we're listening to this again. Um, because, yeah, they've just gone, yeah, Alexa, open the Muffin Man and, and gone straight ahead with it. It's, that's interesting. Um, my, my kids are a bit older than listening to the Muffin Man, but I, hmm. remember it, I remember it very well. It's kind of imprinted on my brain and not in a good way. <laughs> I, I feel your pain, but it does. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, skills and experiences don't have to be complex to be good. You know, it's about the storytelling. Hmm. Okay. Are robots going to kill us? Not soon, anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, robots are not going to kill us. They are, they're going to, if, if they do kill us, they'll be helping us a lot first. I think there's a lot more for them to do to help us uh, in terms of, especially in terms of mental health, and especially given everything that's happened this year, um, I think there's a lot of room for them to help us with our mental health than there is before they're going to start killing us. Okay, I feel much happier now. Thanks for that. <laughs> Okay, so what's on the roadmap for the next 12 months then, Rich? First of all, with voice as a subject or as an area, and then with you and where you're going. So voice in general, I think for the, over the next year, it is going to become much more mainstream. I think people are going to become more accepting of it and companies are going to start asking more questions and wanting to, to have something out there um, on voice. You know, people are more reluctant to touch things than they were before. So um, voice is certainly somewhere that I think people are now starting to see potential in. I think you know, economic problems could, could scupper some um, 
some companies' desires to, to do that as quickly as they potentially like. But I think that's where the thought process is going to start to go. For me personally, um, I think you know, we're going to continue with Echo Dad. Um, I'll be speaking at a lot more events over the course of the year, providing events start up again. Um, but I think doing a lot more consultancy work, um, a lot more strategy, and then taking though that taking that on to to the actual final kind of the design and the build stuff um, that we've been doing, you know, for the last three four years. So yeah, um, moving on a bit more towards some of that more helping companies understand a bit more getting people used stuff and not just in the uk i think what's really important is there are places all over the world that have not yet got voice but there is a lot of potential for voice and there is a lot of you know there's a belief that it is going to be the next frontier and the next technology so not i'm not just sticking to sticking to the uk i'm moving further afield to places you might not suspect voice uh or the voice isn't there yet but it is gonna be there and it's and they you know countries that need to be on the front foot for it cool voice goes global exactly excellent okay last question how do you create conversation worth millions listen to your users first listen to your users listen to what they need and then you'll be able to create a conversation that's worth millions succinct yeah <laughs> straight to the point okay great well look thank you very much for being on the show had a really interesting chat i'm sure listeners will find it fascinating I'll make sure to put in the Echo Dad and Veniluqui and other links into the show notes. Perfect. Thanks again, Rich. It's been fascinating. Thanks for all the practical innovation, being so open with everything. And good luck over the next 12 months. I'm sure you're going to smash it. Thanks a lot, Roy. And thanks for having me on. Cheers. For more information on emerging technology, chat, voice, and conversational AI, head over to syntheticagency.co.